Um, whoops. Okay. Um, the Lord be with you. Let us pray. O good and gracious God, we give you thanks for this community of St. Columba's Church. For those who have gone before us and borne witness to your love through their lives and their ministry. For those who will come after us and carry forth your love in the world in the future. And for us here today, we pray that you pour out your blessing upon us in all who we are and all that we do, that through our lives, as people, as a congregation, as a community, we may show forth your love. In Christ's name, amen. So in Le Petit Prince, uh, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry wrote, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. And I'm going to be joined today in this bit of a romp. We're going to be joined by several others. We're going to be speaking about six, that's not what I wanted, um, topics, uh, a few of them at greater length and a few at much briefer length about living God's love, um, our vision, Moved by the Spirit, the launch of our stewardship campaign, we'll have a word from our treasurer, Mike Davis, proposed changes to the parish bylaws, our future church on the property, and last, a word from our senior warden. And um, I will be referring to a few different documents. Hopefully you received these, or I believe everybody received these electronically, even though they may look a little bit different. In the beginning of September, you received Live God's Love, the updated vision, and then you recently received Our Future Church, and uh, which outlines some of the uh, uh, changes under consideration for our property. And lastly, uh, you will receive, if you haven't already, from our wonderful stewardship committee, moved by the spirit material. And today, we're going to provide an introduction to these topics. Um, and I'm going to extend an invitation to you and this does not work from here. So, Molly, if you could move that forward, thank you. Um, yeah, to participate in ministry, pledge and give generously, and engage the conversation about our future church. Um, as is often the case at these forums, we've got more to say than we have time for. So we're going to say a bunch, but we're going to spell out times and opportunities where we can connect with you and uh, hear from you. Molly, if you would go forward, please. The first thing I want to say a few words about is living God's love. Our recently articulated vision and plan. Um, Spelling out our vision to be the people of God who are gathered, fed, and sent by God here and now at this altar, fed together, sent, as have the saints who have gone before us. Molly, if you'd advance that. Um, there are five core priorities. Well, I should say first that um, we're building upon the vision that was first articulated in 2019 and have adjusted that and now have five core priorities, 
Strengthening community um, is addressing both the community within us as a congregation and also how we are engaged with and connecting with the larger community around us. Practicing faith, the ways in which we worship and learn and pray together here at home, wherever we are, becoming anti-racist as individuals, as a church, and as uh, in society, embracing our world, specifically nurturing partnership and relationships, and building our capacity as a community for the future. We are, in this vision and plan, the way I see it, we're deepening the commitments that we articulated a few years ago. And my deep prayer, one of the things that I say when I lead an inquirer's class, is that my deep prayer is that if you participate with us and join with us for a number of years, then some number of years down the road, you will be able to look back and say, my life has been changed, that I have um, experienced in a new way the love of God in worship or community or in service or in prayer, um, perhaps I have grown in my ability to read scripture or to sing or to serve, changing lives. My deep prayer is also that through the years, our neighbors will say, St. Columbus is a community that has made a difference in our community and changed our lives for the better. There are some of the highlights um, that I just want to uh, touch on in this overall uh, vision. Um, it centers our commitment to become anti-racist as one of our top priorities, and we name reparations as one possible course of action. We renew our commitment to address family homelessness and the need for affordable housing in Ward 3. We shift the language from outreach, which too easily connotes us serving them, to language of nurturing relationships and partnerships with allies that we're in it together. We rejoice that St. Columba's Nursery School's updated vision and plan articulated elsewhere complements the churches and affirms that the church and the school are functioning for mutual vitality. It deepens our commitment to technology and online engagement as we adapt to changing ways in which people seek to create community and find spiritual nourishment. There are a significant number of Columbans who engage most frequently online. And especially in light of our changing patterns of gathering, we deepen our commitment to equip one another with spiritual practices so that we will be able to grow in faith, whether we're getting here regularly or we're elsewhere on the road. We commit to securing resources and to updating our property for ministry in the future, and we create entryways and invite participation from one and all. That's just a smattering of the matters that are listed in this that um, call out for my attention. Molly, if you'd shift the slide, there are five values that um, we have articulated that are both uh, descriptive and aspirational. And um, 
Uh, you may have noted in worship in recent weeks, they have been woven into the prayers of our people and our confession. Um, these are to be open-hearted wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome. Growing in faith through worship, compassion, and just and practice, being grateful stewards, feeling thankful, responding generously, innovative. We've had to be mighty innovative in recent years, adaptive, responsive to rapid change, and we're called to bold action. Uh, the world needs the love that we have to share through our lives and ministry today. Uh, how did all of this come to be? Well, there are various ways to answer that, but I believe it's through our current ministries and dreams, um, through the Spirit of the living God inspiring you, inspiring us to come together and to form, weave together this vision. And this is what it is to be the church. Um, our, our calling is not to get stuff done. Our calling is to be the people of God and to live God's love. And sometimes that feels like we're just zooming along and all is hunky-dory, and other times it can feel a little bumpy. Um, but it's in that sorting out of that that we are living God's love. So please take time. I invite you. Um, look at the visions. Look at the articulated priorities and see how it is that you might connect. Hopefully, at least one will inspire you in some particular way. Uh, if you would shift the slide, please, Molly. Um, you can hear a bunch about this today, so I'm not going to talk too long on this, but um, uh, today we launch our annual stewardship campaign, and thank you. Uh, thank you for your participation in it. Um, and if you haven't, I invite you to pick up an envelope with your name on it in the common. And I want to say if you are a longtime sacrificial giver to St. Columbus, Thank you. Thank you. Um, all who we are and all that we do is because of the gifts and the generosity uh, of your heart and, and your life. As most of you know, or you may know, um, over 75% of our annual operating budget comes directly from the pledges and the gifts that you and I make year in and year out. If you are contemplating making a pledge for the very first time, then first of all, let me thank you for being at this forum. I'm glad that you are here. Um, and please do make a pledge. It's hard to say um, what's the right amount. I can tell you that annual pledges at St. Columbus last year ranged from $25 to $60,000 uh, per year. And I can tell you that absolutely every single pledge is precious. So I invite you to please consider an amount that is for you generous and a bit of a stretch. And any of you, if you do not already do so, I commend to you proportional giving, which is to say giving a specific percentage or proportion of your own annual income, it allows each of us to give meaningfully because one person's pledge of $1,000 may be, represent a much deeper gift than another's pledge of $10,000. And the beauty of this is, is that we can see where we are today and set ourselves some personal goals and decide, here's where I'd like to be and I'll take this next step. 
And I got to throw in, I have shared this once before, I think, but um, there was a minister who asked a farmer, and he said, uh, if you had a uh, hundred chickens, would you give 10 of them to the church? And the farmer thought for a minute and then said, yeah, I, I suppose I would. And so the minister said, well, if you had 50 sheep, would you give five of them to the church? And the farmer said, yeah, I would. So he said, okay, and if you had 10 pigs, would you give one of them to the church? And the farmer said, well, that's not fair. You know I have 10 pigs. <laughs> Each of us is invited to give generously, lavishly. Please do. Um, I'm going to ask Mike Davis to come forward. Um, Mike is our treasurer. Do you have a, a handheld microphone? No, you do not. Right here's one that we will turn on. Mike has, uh, is, a, is a new member of the vestry and a new, uh, our new treasurer uh, serving us um, with great gifts in the last half year. So thank you, Mike. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'll give a full report at the annual parish meeting, uh, but I wanted you to know that as we close out the books, for 2023, uh, things are looking very good and promising, and I would believe will come in on budget. Uh, just as you are good stewards of the money God has given you, uh, the Finance Committee uh, and the Vestry, I think have been very good stewards of the money that you have given to the church. I also wanna say that the audit report uh, is on schedule and uh, we'll hope to also be able to report about that uh, in the upcoming weeks and months. And finally, like Ledley, I'd like to thank all of you for your incredible generosity uh, to support the church. Uh, as we're leaving the pandemic in the rearview mirror, uh, many of us have no idea the toll it's taken on a lot of, of churches. But St. Columbus has done fantastic, the, and uh, attendance is up. We ran out of donuts this morning. Uh oh. Uh, which is a tragedy. So those are all good, good signs. Uh, so thank you very much for your support, and uh, we look forward to reporting to you further soon. Thank you, Mike. And if Emily Law. Yeah. Emily Lawson is a member of the Vestry and co-chairing the nominating committee this year. Good morning, everyone. I am here on behalf of the 2022 nominating committee, which, as you know, is a committee that's formed annually to nominate candidates for Vestry, diocesan delegate, and the two warden positions. Um, and last year, the committee was comprised of a whole variety of people, as it always is, um, but in particular, people who had served on the committee before at different times um, and had brought a lot of kind of experience and wisdom uh, to the job. And in a lot of conversation, we agreed that we thought that our current system of competitive vestry elections was not serving us well. 
And so a subcommittee of that group has worked on proposed changes to the bylaws, which are being put forward this year. And I'm gonna give you the two minute version of why we think this is a good idea. And we really look forward to engaging with you, hearing your thoughts and questions. We have two forums coming up, one on the 4th and one on the 15th. Um, and we hope we'll see you there for further discussion. So the argument in a nutshell is that we feel like competitive elections um, hurt us in two ways. The first way is that we miss out on some really great vestry candidates. There were many people that we thought would be great candidates and we would approach, and while they were, in theory, interested in serving on the vestry, they did not want to put themselves through this competitive election process. That was really a roadblock for them. So we miss out on them as a candidate. Second, by design right now, we have two people every year who run and lose. And the reality is that that takes a toll on many people. And we have a lot of stories of people who had stood for election and then not won and really retreated from their involvement in our church, sometimes even left St. Columbus. And that's obviously really uh, not something we want to have happen as well. So you might say, if this is so bad, why do we have this system? Um, we assume we have the system to make sure that the current vestry doesn't totally, through the nominating committee, end up dictating who the future vestry uh, candidates and membership will be, which makes sense. And you can picture times in the life of a church where this could be really, really important. But the reality is we actually already have two mechanisms in our bylaws to prevent that. So one is that any 30 parishioners can sign a petition adding another vestry candidate to the ballot. That can happen every single year. It doesn't usually happen, but it could happen. And in addition, anyone can nominate someone else to be a vestry candidate on the day of the annual meeting. So that we already have these two provisions in the bylaws to make sure that if somehow the nominating committee, the current vestry gets out of step with the rest of the parish, there is this way to continue to create competitive elections and bring in new fresh voices about the direction of the church. Finally, I'll just say that we realize if we were to make this change, we would want to even double down more on the variety and the diligence of the nominating committee to make sure that it was doing its best possible job to bring forward a diverse set of candidates, and so we have thoughts about that as well. So we look forward to engaging with you on this. Thank you. Thanks, Emily, very much. A lot of hard work in there. I want to uh, speak now about our future church, um, which is, um, I hope you received uh, this as an introduction in your email, and uh, we're going to have lots of opportunity in coming uh, weeks and months to talk about this. And I'm going to be joined uh, in this uh, by Steve Smith. Steve Smith and Elizabeth Taylor are the current co-chairs of our master planning committee. Um, Elizabeth's in Montana. Her son uh, just got married yesterday. Um, but joining Steve is Ralph Cunningham, an architect and member of the parish who's also been part of the master planning committee. And um, let me just say that in, uh, by way of an introduction, in 2019, uh, the vestry identified our upcoming 150th anniversary in 2024 as a, as a good time to take a good look at our property and our assets and our resources 
and to prepare as we can for the decades to come. And created by the vestry, the Master Planning Committee began work in 2020, was interrupted by COVID, and then pivoted to incorporate a lot of new learnings that came out of that COVID experience as we adapt to some of the changing patterns that we see in our lives and in the church. And we are again at a really exciting uh, uh, pivotal juncture uh, because we have uh, the committee has gathered a host of ideas, listened deeply and carefully and analyzed material, and has compiled those, and is uh, now eager to have you take a look so that we can learn from you uh, what you think. Um, Molly, if you'd shift the slide, let's see if this worked. Yes, it did, thank you. Um, there are a great number of folks that have been part of this. Special thanks to Elizabeth and Steve, and there are a host of others to Andrew Marshall and Ralph Cunningham and Andy Brown, Nate Hammond, Emma Hirsch. I'll get in trouble for not naming them all. Uh, suffice to say, uh, it is a huge undertaking, and in this as in most of what happens here at St. Columbus, we're blessed with extraordinary, gifted, creative, and faithful um, members of the parish who are, who are leading us. Steve, would you tell us a little bit about this? And Molly, would you give us a view of uh, where we are, literally? Thanks, Lily. Good morning. Thanks again for joining us this morning, and thanks for the opportunity to share a little bit of an update on work that's been ongoing, as Ledley said now, uh, going on three plus years. And this really came out of trying to ask a question of how can this property, which is our single most valuable tangible asset, how can this property best support our mission and our values? And I think to help with that context, I appreciate this image because I think it's good to sort of see where we fit physically in the neighborhood. And when you look at this, you start to, I think, draw a couple of interesting conclusions. First is we really are in a position between a residential neighborhood and a commercial corridor. We're sort of right there. We're also in a very central position in a vibrant neighborhood of Tenleytown, which is well served with government amenities like great public schools and parks, the metro just a block away, commercial amenities such as the Wisconsin Avenue Strip, other commercial development on Massachusetts Avenue, private schools. So we're really in a, a, in a central position, and when we think about the sort of good fortune in 7, 1874 or whatever, of somebody deciding to start worshiping under an oak tree in this location, nothing about what would come 150 years later, uh, we really hit the lottery uh, in, a, in a very important sense in terms of the quality of parish life that we've been able to create for ourselves here, as well as the role that we've been able to play in the neighborhood. And I think, you know, first, just to understand what we actually do have here, we have um, about one and three quarters acres of land. Um, which is at the corner of 42nd and Albemarle. We have two homes on the property in addition to the church and the two office and, and school wings. And at various points over the history of this place, members have looked at the community around us and said, there are things that we can do with this property to become even more a part of this community. Think back to the 1950s and the creation of the nursery school and how important that institution has been to generations of children here. 
Think about the addition of the Great Hall or other spaces in this building that have become important neighborhood assets where they draw people in, even those who may not choose to worship here. Think about last night, art all night in Tenley Town, where St. Columbus plays an important role in bringing people with different backgrounds together in a space. And so thinking about all of the things that go into how we use this building and how we could use this building in support of those various ministry objectives that Ledley laid out. Now, many of you, like me, are here mostly on Sundays, and you see a very vibrant place on Sunday morning, which is wonderful. And um, as Mike said, that's not been true of all churches coming through the pandemic, so we are truly blessed by that. But if you've had an opportunity to see this place during the week, it's equally exciting and vibrant to stop by and see you know, nearly 100 children, to see uh, you know, daily at the nursery school, to see in the evenings various neighborhood groups making use of this building. Um, so this has long served as a central neighborhood hub. Also for programs that we run, things like water ministry that are integral to this community. So we've played a vital role in the Tenley Town neighborhood being this sort of beacon and we're committed to continuing to be good neighbors. Um, and we've been, we think, pretty good and creative stewards of the building over that period. And today, you know, as, as you know, the nave was recently redone. The HVAC has been uh, redone. Um, we've taken some steps toward reducing our footprint on the environment. And the nursery school has um, led the way in maintaining the playground and we'll be making some additions and enhancements to the playground as well. But that said, there are many opportunities when you think back at what generations have done in this building and sort of laid the groundwork for for decades that followed them, we're in a similar position now to think about what are the decisions that we can make with this property that would lay the groundwork for the next 50 or 75 years. And so with that, I'd love to hand over to Ralph, who'll take us through some of what's surfaced in the conversation so far. Thank you. I'm, I'm Ralph Cunningham. I'm an architect here in, in Washington. and. Um, Let's start by saying that we are starting uh, this effort with a, from a position of, of strength, as Stephen said. Um, we are a thriving community. Uh, we have this beautiful day today. It's a great day to walk around our, our 1.6 acres, as, as Stephen was just talking about. Um, but we also have a church um, that is physically, the, the building is aging, and there are some needs that we've identified moving forward um, to uh, project St. Columbus forward into the future. And um, in some ways, uh, we're, we're sort of uh, blessed by um, some things that need to be done here. Um, and starting with the entries to this building, um, the entrance on Alwall Street has been significantly improved by the addition of the labyrinth recently. Um, but the stairs and the entry to the offices and the platform that I'm sort of looking at through the window are all sort of towards the end of their usable life. And we see that as an opportunity to make a more welcoming entry to the church, to improve accessibility for all members our, of our community and the external community, um, and to really improve the entry uh, experience coming into this building. Um, as you know, we have another entrance on the back of the building on Butterworth Street, um, which in some ways may be in even worse shape. Um, 
The exterior stairs, if any of you have used it in the winter or in bad conditions, you know that it's, um, it, it needs some work. So sort of the front and the back of the building we see as opportunities to uh, improve access for all members of the community, including the water ministry. Um, so, so those are two things um, on the exterior. On the interior, um, we have three kitchens. We'd love to have one that actually is modern and works properly. Uh, we have a variety of bathrooms, all of which should be accessible, many are not. Um, and we also have a need for a sort of in-between space, a little smaller than the Great Hall, um, to have all kinds of community meetings that Stephen was talking about earlier. So um, we've engaged with a structural engineer, we've looked at the space under the Great Hall. Um, any of you who've been through this building know it's full of concrete block. That's not the easiest thing to deal with, but we, we have found a way to deal with that. Um, so those are, those are some of the um, internal and external um, projects that we're looking at doing. Uh, a really important one is what to do with Fletcher House. Uh, Fletcher House is one of the two houses that Stephen mentioned. Um, it is at the corner of 42nd and Butterworth, and it's in a very prominent location um, as you approach this church from, uh, from Wisconsin Avenue and from sort of Tenley Town Main Street. So uh, one of the things that we're looking at uh, doing with, with um, that site in accordance with our strategic plan, um, which is to assist the District of Columbia with uh, affordable housing. So one of the projects that we're thinking about doing there are 12 to 15 units of housing, replacing the Fletcher House building. We've had significant uh, support from our council member, Matt Fruman, already. Um, and you know, that is a long-term goal. There, there are lots and lots of steps to go, but we want to make this property and Ward 3 in general accessible to all people of all incomes, and that is the, the that piece of our property is our tool to do that. So um, I personally am super excited about this. We've been working on this for quite a while. Um, again, we are, we are coming from a position of strength. We have this wonderful property that was gifted to us by previous generations. Now we have to do our part to move it forward. Thank you. Thanks, Ralph. Just a couple of additional points to make and then uh, hand it back to Ledley. So we're at a stage in the process now where you've received this brochure, the Our Future Church. What we've attempted to do is compile a lot of what we've heard. There's still a lot of detail to be worked out. There's still a lot of input to be gathered. There's still a lot of conversation to be had, and so we encourage that. That's really what we would like to have happen as a result of what we've put out. And it's important when you read that document to read it in the way that it's intended, which is as a report back of what we've been hearing so far, not as a statement of this is a plan. There's no plan yet. Um, what we would like to do is make sure that that plan is as inclusive as possible with all voices in this building represented, and now as we've started to have conversation outside of the building as well. Um, we've met with the ANC, we've met with our councilman, um, and we're trying to gather good input about how we can continue to be a valued asset in, in this community. Um, any plan that we do develop 
will obviously need vestry action. It will eventually need funding. Um, no final decisions are made, but we are anticipating a capital campaign in connection with the 150th anniversary, which would be a logical place to, be, to raise funds to support this kind of initiative, which is why we're having this conversation now. Um, so when you read that document, uh, lots of people have contributed the ideas and recommendations there. Maybe you'll see some of your own ideas reflected. Um, but now is the time, if you haven't had a chance to participate in the conversation yet, please do. I know there's been an email address that's been set up for input. We've started actually receiving input. I think there will even be a, a survey that um, uh, will be going out shortly. Um, but hopefully as you read that document, you'll see that it's grounded in the work of the strategic plan and that we're applying some key objectives. And first, we want to recognize that we are physically here. We believe that our presence physically in this neighborhood is important and we are committed to being a church and creating this beloved community in this place, that we're accessible spiritually and physically, that we celebrate children and youth in all that we do, that we do take a step to address the housing crisis in the district, that's important to us. We've committed ourselves to ending family homelessness in DC. This is one way that we can potentially help. That we also recognize that whatever we build here is going to be here for a long time, long past me and many of us in this room. And so thinking about how we build for the future that we can't possibly see clearly and recognize the necessary flexibility in that. Um, note that we are stewards of this creation and that we're committed to maintaining the financial, financial sustainability of this place. And so uh, I just want to thank you again for listening to this this morning, for your contributions to date, for reading the materials that we've sent to you, and for participating going forward from here. And so with that, I'd like to hand back to Ledley, who's going to take us through some of those opportunities for input. Thank you. Thank you. Molly, if you just put up this. Um, so as Steve has just said, uh, at this particular juncture, uh, what's most important for us is that we get to hear from you. And we know that, uh, um, so what we've done is we have set up a variety of times when you can join members of the Master Planning Committee uh, and me and others in conversation. Um, some in person, some on Zoom. Uh, if, if you prefer, you can use the survey. And if um, we need other dates uh, from further conversation, then we will set those in place. We also anticipate that um, members of the community will want to, uh, who are not uh, active in the life of St. Columbus, will want to participate and join with us. And uh, we welcome that. And we know that um, people are going to have all matter of ideas and opinions about this and are likely to share them. And that's a good thing. Um, so thank you. Uh, huh. Um, one last topic, and then we'll stop. Um, if you would uh, shift the slide once more. There we go. Thank you. Um, a month ago, I uh, shared with you that I'm beginning to think about life beyond full-time ministry, that uh, while we celebrate our life together in 2024 as our 150th, that year also is, uh, has some personal milestones for me. I'll turn 65. I will have been serving in parish ministry for 35 years, 
and I'll be embarking on my 10th year as rector here. And it is, um, uh, it's all been good, and I'm thinking about what comes next. Um, we're at a juncture. So many of these different pieces have come together. I am really eager to help lead us forward through uh, planning through our celebration of 150th, through a capital campaign, um, and through having any manner of conversations about how this is going to play out in our life uh, together and uh, being able to hand it off. Sarah Glenn, who is our senior warden, is going to share with us some thoughts. And I told you you'd have one of these, oh, but. That's good. Good morning. Hi, so, Ledley has great timing. He has told us 18 months in advance of his plans for the future. And um, so, we go into the next year making our own plans as a parish um, with some big initiatives and some big decisions. We go into that with our eyes wide open. So it's a gift, Ledley, for you sharing so far in advance what your plans are. Um, I'd like to say a few words about the rector search and then maybe offer some observations. Um, Gina Lagomarsino is here, I'm sure. There's Gina, um, junior warden. Um, Gina and I have met with the bishop to have conversations about um, the rector search. The bishop is well aware that St. Columbus is a busy, happy, buzzing place. And she recommends, she supports, are launching the rector search process while Ledley is still here. So in 2024, that's what we're planning to do. Um, and when Ledley leaves in 2025, we anticipate that there will be some period of time uh, before the new rector arrives. So during this gap, we do not anticipate needing an interim rector. The bishop supports that as well. Um, and, and so that actually will enable us to continue our momentum on our various initiatives and plans that we have in place. So um, I wanted to let you know that. Um, the transition to the new rector, we anticipate, will be a very healthy one. Um, and our previous, for those of you who have been here a while, um, you know that our previous two transitions uh, occurred during times of some distress and turmoil in the parish. Um, and that is, we're in a very different place today. So we anticipate, I'm not sure what a healthy transition looks like. We'll, we'll define that together. <laughs> we'll define it together. But because we are in a good place, we will, um, we anticipate managing that very well from a position of strength. So more to come um, in the months, coming months about the rector search. Um, so stay tuned for that. I have just a few observations. Um, Ledley's announcement came as a bit of a surprise to me, as it might have been to you. Um, that, but if you think about it, it's really the natural order of things. And we always knew he wasn't going to be here forever. And so um, what I really wanted to leave you with is that all will be well. <laughs> We are a church on a mission, and that doesn't change. So we've got a busy ship that's at full sail, 
And one of Ledley's great strengths is tapping into the many gifts in this community. So we have many hearts and minds and hands steering the ship, and that's not going to change. While Ledley's leadership is, our, is a beacon for us, it is our, our vision and our priorities and our mission and our commitment to all these new initiatives, that's from you, and that's from God. Ledley would be the first to say that this is our work, not his work. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't change. We are a church on a mission to live God's love, and all will be well. Thank you, sir. Back to you. I just want to add to that that 18 months is uh, quite a long time, and uh, we've got an amazing staff, an amazing vestry, an amazing congregation and community, and a God who is great all the time. So I think we're going to be in very good shape, and as Sarah says, all will be well. Um, there's one key factor in all of that, I think you've heard it. You may have already heard it a couple of times today, um, but I'll say it again. You are needed. You are vital. Your presence, your voice, your participation is what makes the life of the church. And so we all need to be in on this. Um, We've got about three minutes for all of your questions, uh, which is why we planned all these other opportunities uh, for people to come and gather and talk about whether it's about the property or to talk about the proposed bylaw change. Um, the next time we'll gather together as a whole will be the annual parish meeting. That's uh, the second Sunday in November. I believe that's the 12th this year. Um, join us for that. With a couple of minutes, are there, anyone's got a burning question or statement they want to make? Um, there's a mic in the center. And Molly, if you would switch to the last screen, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you all. Uh, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs>